0: Hey guys, my name is Josh Topping, and welcome to Topping's Topics, episode number three. Uh, This week we'll be talking about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, Lucifer and Hitman. Uh, This week I've got a bit of a cold, so if you hear a lot of chopping and changing, it's because I'm trying to cut out my coughs, uh, because I don't want you to listen to that disgusting sound. Uh, But this, yeah, we'll start this week off with with Fantastic Beasts, and I should say before I get into it that I'm going to be talking about all of these three, like usual, with spoilers, so if you don't want spoilers, I would suggest not listening to this until a later date, but uh, yeah, let's just go straight ahead. So Fantastic Beasts, I really actually like this movie, I thought it was, a, it, was, it was a good step for the Harry Potter universe, um, and yeah, it was it was pretty natural stepping into it. Uh, I liked Eddie Redmayne as the main character Newt, uh, I think this, this character is much more up his alley than the one from Jupiter Ascending, this one just seems more him, watching him from interviews and stuff, and then seeing him act on screen, it does seem like he's a more of a friendly, bubbly character, and so the character of Newt, I think, actually Actually sticks with him better than you know than than the one from *Jupiter Ascending*. But I don't think he's a very evil character, and you can't really believe him as one in that movie. But yeah, that was a really good character role for Eddie Redmayne. And uh, yeah, I, I really didn't like the universe of *Fantastic Beasts*. I also liked how they didn't just babysit you through the entire thing. They take you in without explaining certain abilities. Like we know that you can disapparate and apparate, and basically teleport in the harry Potter universe and you have a ton of that in this movie and yet they don't sit there and explain it to you like it's brand new to you they just act like it's a completely natural thing which i think is a good thing for a movie and they could possibly fall into the trap of trying to re-explain certain things which i think would be dangerous because you could lose an audience wasting too much time on re-explaining things so I, I like that. I like that they didn't go into too much explaining it and of the of the stuff that you were familiar with and uh, just went on with that. I also like the casual mentions to Hogwarts and Dumbledore uh, that didn't feel forced. Um, I was talking to someone and he didn't really like them, but at the same time, I thought they were really good. You, you didn't bring them up in a way that was like you were trying to shoehorn them in, like oh, we, we mentioned Hogwarts, oh, we mentioned Dumbledore, right? Remember, You remember Harry Potter? Remember Harry Potter? We're, we're kind of like Harry Potter. Um, it wasn't like that at all. It was, it was just more genuine, genuine um, conversations. So, like, Newt brings up the fact that he thinks Hogwarts is a better school, which of course he would, because he went to Hogwarts. And uh, people bringing up the fact that Dumbledore argued for Newt not to be kicked out of school, and they mentioned he was just a teacher. Um, things like that, you know? It's just casual mentions of... This real wow well, this real world that they're you know they the the life of this world they're bringing together like you may not be in the story but you may be somewhere else in the universe, but if you are connected somehow you, you can be brought up so I think that's I think that's a, a nice way to do it Uh, I really liked Colin Farrell's character Graves in this movie. I really liked the way Colin Farrell portrayed him. I thought that was very interesting. And although it was a nice little twist at the end of turning into Johnny Depp's character Grindelwald, I I really am kind of sad that we don't get to see Colin Farrell anymore because I I thought he brought a lot to that role and a lot of depth. So, yeah, so I'm kind of sad to see him go. I also find the world before Voldemort and Harry fascinating. Like, you still have a Voldemort-esque character, which is Grindelwald, but not to the scale of Voldemort, um, which is an interesting interesting way to go, and, and Grindelwald's fanatics, I don't really know too much about Grindelwald's fanatics, and I'm, I'm interested in that being explored in later movies, which I think will be really, really cool. Uh, there was a little bit of a story problem. Not really a problem in the story itself, but I, it, it seemed like a like a blunt way to end things, which was the possibility of the Muggles and the Nomads finding out about magic, which we, of course, know is not going to happen because we've seen Harry Potter and we know the fact that the Muggles don't know about, know about magic. So you know either they're going to get wiped clean or something's going to happen so they don't find out. So I feel like that was a bit of a bluff ending um, because there wasn't really much tension there. But in saying that, you can swap that to the tension about Credence's, Credence's death, which for an audience coming from Harry Potter, like we were aware of people dying that were important near the end of Harry Potter from four onwards and Harry Potter Goblet of Fire onwards, they started killing off main characters um, and having you know consequences to different actions, which... I, I thought was a nice little step up as the movie uh, of maturity as the movie goes on, and this is another another step. It's like we're in the adult world, we're not in the kids world. We're in the adult world of, of magic and showing things like Credence's death or the Death Room, where it shows you happy happy memories and then sucks you in. Um, that kind of thing I think is an interesting um, interesting twist on on a universe that you know we usually found when we were younger is very very welcoming and very magical, Um, and seeing the the darker side of that and the more adult side of that was a a nice and refreshing change, I think. Um, My only big critique, really, was I didn't really like how Serafina, which is the American Ministry of Magic uh, lady, I believe that's what her role is, um, how she treated Newt um, when they first got there. They treated them like they were children, and the the lines between them seemed very like teacher to, to student kind of way there wasn't like two adults talking it wasn't like um you know an aura and a ministry of magic talking it seemed like an adult talking down to a kid which you know thinking about it I guess was that she's all high and mighty in there beneath her but I just I, I didn't like the way they portrayed those lines like certain things like she said you knew about you knew about, um, this guy in town bringing, I'm, I'm, I'm ruining this script by the way. I'm, I'm not quoting this abso- at all, but this is the basics of what she said. Um, you knew about this guy bringing in these monsters for a whole day and you didn't tell us, even though this lady had tried to tell her the day before and she just talked down to her. Like that kind of conversation I expect with a student, but with two adults, I, I expect it to be a little bit more, Uh, a little bit more intelligence, and I I just, I don't think that was, it just rubbed me the wrong way, and every time she was on screen, it it, it made it look like she was either, she looked like she was part Snape, part Dumbledore talking down to Harry, and like, that was just the way her character talked, talked down to people, but I I didn't think it was very good, but overall, I really enjoyed the movie, and I thought it was, I thought it was a good one, so uh, I'm looking forward to the new one, I think there's, what, five more coming out or something, so that'll be, that'll be cool, as long as they don't You know go too hard on one character i hear they're swapping around characters a bit so um not all the one story about newt but i mean i found his character interesting and i find the story of grindelwald interesting so hopefully if it continues along that stuff it'll be interesting the second thing I'll be talking about is Hitman 2016. When Hitman first came out in 2016, I was a little bit confused because they released it with an episode by episode kind of thing. Like you'd have one episode released, and then in the next month you'd have another episode released, and then after like I think it was six months or something, you had a entire season of Hitman. And uh, this was a pretty confusing and and strange release schedule. But after playing Hitman, I actually I actually really did enjoy it, and I kind of understand why, which I'll get to a little bit later. Um, but I'll talk about the game for a bit. So after the tutorial, which is two missions that, uh, they baby you a little bit, I, I do admit. They, they teach you, they pretty much tell you how to get into your, your uh, to your target the first couple of times, and they pretty much take you through baby steps of how to get to your target and kill your target, and certain things you have to do, like changing clothes and stuff like that. It's basically tutorial level, but it was very, very babying, um... But yeah, the first actual contract that they give you is in Paris called Showstopper. You have two targets to kill. And I spent, it has to have been, two days just running around this one level, just finding different ways to kill people. Like, you could go from poisoning the target to to electrifying them when they go out to make a phone call, to dropping a chandelier on them, uh, to strangling them in the back room, to, you know, anything you could think of, really, you could probably do in this game, which was a nice, a nice little... Uh, thing that kept me going like over and over just I'd finish the mission and I'd restart and I'd go again just trying different ways to kill them I think my favourite way to kill them was you can set up uh, a fireworks display outside I mean the fireworks display is all set off but you can set it off and they'll go outside and watch the fireworks and this one will watch it from the top balcony and this other one will watch it from below and you can push the one off the top balcony and she'll fall down and she'll hit the guy below killing them both and uh, I think it's called two birds, one stone or something like that, it was, it was definitely one of my favorite ways to end a target, and it took me forever to try and figure out how to get them, I think the first time I pushed them off the balcony, the, the guy down below looks up just to look at the fireworks and sees his wife falling straight past her into the ground in front of him, because I'd missed him just by inches, um, but yeah, I think that was really good. And I think that's actually what's, what's really hit the nail on the head with the hitman is the fact there's replayability in every level. I'm pretty sure the first, at least, maybe 15, 16 times you walk around, you're going to find something new and something random that you, know, you didn't find the first couple of times going through, which will open up new ways for you to do it. Um, There's also, you can also do uh, custom levels with friends. So like a friend of mine, we've actually been issuing challenges back and forth now for a couple days, trying to stump one another. So you go into a level basically, um, you enter it as as yourself and you walk around and you find a target that you're interested in um, and you right click them basically and that marks them as the target and you kill them with whatever, whatever weapon you want. So for instance, let's say I go to the Paris one, right? And then I walk into the ballroom and I see a guy in the back and I see that he sometimes walks out towards the toilets or something, and I go, right, I want you to kill that target with uh, scissors. So you're going to kill that target with scissors wearing this. And then you put that contract up, and, and yeah, you, and then you challenge your friend to do that contract. And some of them can be easy, some of them can be hard, depending on who you can pick. Um, A friend of mine actually made one where I have to shimmy across the balcony, I have to distract two guards with a coin to pick up a samurai sword, to shimmy back across the balcony, to distract two more people with coins so that I can run past them, to get into my room, to shimmy across another balcony, to stab this guy in the back with a sword. And it's things like that, like when when you set the challenge, for him, he had to go and do that. So he actually had to go and do it, and it's kind of like that Anything you can do, I can do better song. So basically he does one thing and he goes, okay, do that and try and beat me at that. And so then I go and do it and I have to try and beat him at that. And then I'll go and make one and I'll go, come on, try and beat me at this one. And it's a lot of back and forth play, which makes the replayability of levels way more fun and way more interesting. And on top of all of that, you have things called the Elusive Target. So basically Elusive Target, they release, uh, I think it's a month. I'm not really sure. I've only been a part of one so far, uh, but I have seen others. Uh, I think it's they release one every month, you basically you get a elusive target, and this target you have a week to accept the challenge. And when you accept the challenge, you have to go in and kill him without dying. Now if you die before killing him, you can restart pretty quickly and you can, and you can, everything will be fine. There's no saves, but you can restart from the start and go again. But if you kill the target, you cannot restart the mission and you cannot die. If you die, you will then fail the contract and there is no do-over. If you fail the contract, that is it. You don't get to complete it. And that is your, you know, tough luck, tough titties. Off it goes and you're on to the next one if it comes out then. So I really, really enjoyed that like contrast between that and the and this in the single player game my only downside that i'd be annoyed at a little bit is the fact that there is no offline mode well there is an offline mode but it's not you can't unlock things in offline mode all your stuff that you unlock currently is online but i do believe there is an update that came out yesterday that lets you now use all the stuff you've unlocked in offline mode but you cannot unlock more stuff unless you're connected to online um which i still think that's annoying because i'd like to i mean my internet here is trash and sometimes i'd like to be able to just play offline and not have to worry about the internet when playing a single player game um but in saying that i do i do like the unlock system that's another thing that actually gets you to replay is the fact that going through and and killing people in unique ways or finding unique places unlocks you starting in unique places so that if you go into let's just stay with paris if you go into paris um, and you go down to the kitchens, you can unlock the kitchen area so that next time when you start in, that, in, in Paris, you can actually start in the kitchen dressed as a waiter, or you can start on the balcony as crew and stuff like that. So, you know, the, it, it opens more possibilities, which opens you to wanting to play the game more from those possibilities to see where else you can get. An um, example of that, I guess, would be that you can start as crew on the second floor And if you start his crew on the second floor, you can quickly run out the front and you can drop a chandelier on a guy. Now, he's only standing under the chandelier for maybe 10 seconds. And if you would try to get there from the start of the mission, from the proper start of the mission, it would be too slow. You wouldn't be able to get up there in time. And you basically would either A, get caught, or B, would just miss your opportunity. So, you know, that was something that wasn't open until I unlocked the crew thing. And then you all of a sudden walk out and you do it. So I think... Yeah, I really think replayability is what is, is the best thing for Hitman, and I'm actually am really, really enjoying the game at the moment. So um, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to Season 2, which they I think they silently confirmed. I don't know if there's actually been a, a massive confirmation, but I, I'm assuming so, with the story they tell you to expect a Season 2 to be coming. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. The last thing we'll be talking about is the TV show Lucifer. Now Lucifer is a TV show that I am having a difficult time placing, because I love the show and I hate this show. The concept of Lucifer is awesome, it's the devil himself walking on earth, he has a brother who is an angel sent by their father who's God, uh, to bring him back to hell. While on earth he meets a detective who seems to be able to resist his powers and that spikes his curiosity and together they go around punishing the bad guys of LA. This concept I actually really really like a lot and most of the time the direction they take is pretty cool. However, sometimes they bring up situations that they either have to do a cop out to get out of or they just avoid it altogether. Um, certain scenes, like Chloe watching Lucifer after getting shot six times, like walk away completely fine and and they remember it the next episode and she brings it up immediately and it's it's very clear you can see the writers very clearly don't want her to believe he's the devil just yet so it's like it's downplayed so hard and casually brushed to the side but you've got a character in a compromising position because how she handles it is not how her character usually handles things for example when she finds a puzzle she wants to solve like the malcolm graham story arc um, the dying cop is lying in a coma and everyone is telling her to drop it and she pursues the case anyway. Uh, but with, with Lucifer, she drops it instantly. It's, it's just very out of character for her. So I think if they were going to do something like that, I feel like they needed to just either not bring it up so quickly, maybe have her fuzzy and she can't remember it until later, or just have her not remember it at all, and have it just, just something that we saw and that she thought she saw, but then it just goes ahead and, and nothing happens. Um, but she knows, and she remembers, and she's very convinced that she knows and remembers. So, uh, I don't really think that's a, a very good thing, and it seems very out of character. Another thing that they actually do is, um, they had a burning building, which was started by a grease fire, which was poured on the floor. And in my opinion, I don't believe it should have gone up as this fast, but whatever. The cut to the ad break and cut back with the house on fire, sure, whatever. Let's just move past that. Chloe turns to Lucifer and asks if he has any idea of how to get out of this. And they look at each other for like three seconds, and then he kicks open the front door carrying her out. And it's such a cop-out ending, because he doesn't have anything to cover her, he's not immortal anymore, so he gets hurt. And they just showed an image of them surrounded by fire, so how do they get out with him just burning his elbow or something? And they, they put them into situations that, although seem very cool, have no way to get out of. And I don't think I don't think that is a good place to put your characters because if you're gonna put them in those situations with those kind of you know worrying uh, worrying possibilities of of them not making it out, you can't have these cheap endings of these characters getting away from situations without good explanations or at least some explanation. And sometimes the script in this is actually really bad as well. Like for instance, uh, there's a character who's close to Chloe. It's her ex-husband or something um, he goes, I've figured out a way to sort out our, our problem, and she goes, oh really, how are you going to do that, and he goes, it's better I show you, and then they go from a crime scene all the way down to the police station, just for him to turn himself in, it's like, no, it probably would have been, probably would have been better to do this at the police station, it's probably not good to do this at a crime scene, than have, I imagine, a completely silent car ride back, just to get to the police station for him to do that, it just seems, it just seems wrong, it doesn't seem like it's written properly. Um, but stuff with Lucifer's actually really, really cool and interesting. Certain twists, like him becoming immortal, well, him becoming a mortal being when he's around Chloe, uh, are interesting conflicts that come up. And I, I just hope there aren't actually cop-out endings to that to that story. Because yeah, I really do think that some of these stories could potentially carry them on. And as long as they're careful with how they end stuff, and it's not just cheap cop-outs all the time, I think that it's gonna go it's gonna go pretty far. And the music in the show actually is really good as well. I really like the kind of vibe that Lucifer gives off. So so yeah, even though that Lucifer frustrates the hell out of me and sometimes I look at the TV and I just got to cry bullshit, uh, I'm actually, yeah, really enjoying it. So hopefully the second season is, is just as good and it fixed some of the problems of the first season because, uh, yeah, some of the problems in the first season were driving me insane. And the last thing I'm going to add on here to the end, which I wasn't planning on talking about, but over the last couple of days, there's an update that came out for it, so I feel like I'll talk about it now, is uh, No Man's Sky. Now, No Man's Sky is a $60 game that I admit should have been way, way cheaper, Uh, and I did buy it for $60, and I still have it, and I have, actually, let me just go click on Steam for a second, I have, I have 37 hours in the game at the moment, which is not too much, but at the same time, it's over 30, so I'm impressed with that, um, And basically what's happened recently is after 98 days of Sean Murray and Hello Games not saying a single thing, uh, they released a massive update. Um, And the update itself, actually, the way the the video is portrayed kind of reminds me of the updates that come to Subnautica, which is 12 bucks right now, funnily enough. Um, but the new the new update brings new game modes. So there's the normal game mode, which is basically the same thing that's been around for ages. There's the creative mode, which allows players to explore the universe without limits and build huge bases. And there's the survival mode, which changes the game, creating a more challenging endurance. Now, what I'm thinking from that is probably um, less resources and uh, more brutal weather, which I... I don't know if that's for me, but I'm sure some people will appreciate the, the hardness that, that brings. But then again, there's some new stuff that's coming that'll probably help out with that. For example, there's now base building. Um, you can make your own home planet. You basically find an uninhabited base and, uh, start creating your own fully bespoke outpost. Uh, you can construct your own homestead and shelter. You use the structures and decorations to build your stuff around you. And you can even recruit alien lifeform to help research new technology, uh, farming, engineering, weapons, science, stuff like that. Uh, and use the Terminus teleporters in the space station to teleport to and from your base at will, uh, which I think that's, that's pretty cool. Another thing they've added is farming. So you can basically take plants and put it inside your, uh, your base and basically let them grow. So you have a you have a steady supply of resources to be harvested instead of you, you know, running out of, say, iron and having to run halfway across a planet to find iron from something. You can also have automated harvesters now, which will actually harvest the resources from mineral deposits. Um, so you're not always, you know, mining something. You can actually have things mining for you, which I think is actually pretty cool. Uh, You can also have freighters now, apparently. You can purchase uh, interstellar freighters. Apparently, it's at great expense, and then summon them from anywhere in the galaxy, which sounds really cool. Resources can be teleported to your freighter while on planet, ideal for stockpiling goods for trading, and customize the inside of your freighter with the base building section. Which I think is really cool. So you now have a massive spaceship in the sky, you have a base on the ground, and you can actually store stuff so that you don't just have your inventory and your shitty little ship's inventory. You actually have a big freighter to actually put your stuff in. That sounds perfect. Um, And definitely in the right direction that Hello Games should be walking in, which is actually the stuff they promised at the start. Now, here's my thinking, right? So I've dropped $60 in this game, I've made an investment in this game, so if they're going to update it and they're actually going to make the game more playable and more interesting for me, I feel like I should actually be able to support the game. And the circle jerk that I'm seeing on Snowman Sky subreddit at the moment is going back and forth between people who are wanting to enjoy the game and enjoying the new update, and people that want to stay mad at Sean Murray for the fact that they didn't deliver on what they said. Now, if it was a brand new game, if they dropped a brand new game, I can understand being skeptical about it. because. Probably promises at the start of this game was an absolute joke. However, if you're gonna go go mad at him for dropping a patch to try and fix his game after complaining that the game is not broken in the first place, I think that's absolutely silly. Because he's dropping a patch to improve the game that you're playing. He's not moving on to a new game, he hasn't just dropped it and left it, he's focusing on the game that he's put forward and he's trying to make it a better experience. Now, did he drop the ball at the start and absolutely make a shitty game at the start? 100%. He did. He dropped the ball, he made promises that he couldn't commit to and that was absolutely Absolutely pulling. And that is something that we should definitely remember if he makes a new game to, to remember in the future for games that come from Hello Games. But he's come forward and they've actually put patches in. They're trying to fix stuff. There are brand new content, ridiculous amount of content coming out to help out. And I think that's a step in the right direction. I think that's something you should be applauded for. Um, because that is something that is actually going to help the game. And it, I mean, it may not save it from its turmoil. It, it may not, you know, get it out of the ashes completely. But it's definitely a step in the right direction to have people maybe back interested in the game again. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think that hopefully that game does come through a bit better. Uh, I wouldn't suggest buying it is my absolute brutal honest answer right now. If you, if you have got the game and you're sticking through it, I reckon go ahead stick through it and see what the patches bring out and let's have a go. But if you haven't got the game, I would wait until it drops like a 75% price. I would not buy this game for maybe, unless it was 20 bucks, 12 bucks, 20 bucks, somewhere around there, somewhere around the Subnautica range, like something, that's actually what it is right now it is a shell of a game that needs more stuff added to it and uh, that's just the brutal honest answer for that but yeah that's it for this week uh i won't be back for another fortnight like usual uh we actually got a proof for itunes so you'll be able to find this podcast on itunes now and uh, i'm working on android as we speak to see if i can get on there as well um but yeah so i'll uh, i'll see you in a fortnight cheers